Broadcasting live from the Treasure Island Sports Club, it's In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Bajador. I want to thank you very much for making my day in the sun so memorable. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Friday. You're in the huddle. With Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We are live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Great food, great drink specials, live sports, horse race betting, everything. We've got the Masters on. We've got opening day for baseball across the country. Uh, some beautiful weather, some cold weather uh, in other places. But we've got all the games on, uh, food, drinks, everything that you can imagine. It's the Golden Circle Sportsbook. At the Treasure Island Hotel, right off of the main casino, and of course, it's free parking. It's all fun and games at the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar. What I don't see, what I don't see on television right now, is what I really want to see. And I got to start here, Damon Cotton. I have got to start right here because I caught the tail end, and this has been happening now. It's a couple days running now, a couple days running with you and Q uh, on setting up this basketball game. I feel like Q wants to get out there yesterday to play this game. I'm not feeling it with you, Damon. I, I hear a lot of talk. I hear a lot of chatter. I hear a lot of bravado. But I also hear a lot of excuses on why this might not happen. Damon Cotton, you have got to defend your honor one way or another at some point. No, are I, you I, ready? No, are you no, ready to no, play Q? Myers? I don't have to do a darn thing. Exactly. All, There's the excuse. No. There's no, the no, excuse. Here, I don't have to do anything. You're not going to make me do anything. So no, I'm not going to play here's the game. The re- no, let me explain you myself real quick. You do not want to play Q. It is obvious. It is obvious, Devon Cotton. We can all read through it. We can all see through it. No, Vinny, what you're doing is you're getting and caught. Shocked. I'm not getting caught. I'm, I'm hearing one person like, I don't have to do anything. I don't want to go first take. Can I speak? Can I speak? Go for it. Okay, thank you. Excuse me. You're getting caught up in someone bragging and being bolsterous that is, oh, this guy's got to be better. This guy's got to be the king, right? Because he's the one that's talking loudly. That's what you're getting caught up on, Vinny. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. You know what I think this is? You guys are being heightest. If I was at least a good 5'10", you'd be like, oh, you'd give me some more props. But I'm a little bit on the shorter side, and I think that you all are taking me for granted. And I don't like it. You're being heightest. I, I, I'm, uh, whoever wins is going to win. Whoever loses no, is going to no, lose. But I don't, say, I'm doubting you're even going to get out there and play. You're saying DeMond doesn't want it. I doubt that you would even play. I'm a, I feel like you're only doubting me this heavy because I'm short. I think because you're oh, you're scared. You're shaking in your boots. Come on, Vinny. Don't now, play are, me. Are you going to make this happen then? Is why DeMond is Cotton going to get out of the court? Happen? I'm a busy guy. I, I, what are we hearing? We're hearing excuses. I don't have to do anything. I'm a busy I'm guy, a busy man. So I, I've, I've been here since six thirty in the morning. Say it then. I've been here since six thirty in the morning. Tonight, we're not well, talking I'm just about saying. tonight. I'm saying I don't know, Benny. I'm a very busy guy. <laughs> Make room in your busy schedule to defend your honor. You're talking a lot, which I respect. I respect a lot of bravado. I respect all that. He's I'm doing just, most of the talking. I'm just questioning whether you actually want to play and whether you would actually even show up to play. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Why Win or lose, I showed up. Why are you I questioning me? I, well, I think you're, you're kind of proving my point right now. I don't have to do anything. I'm a busy man. The, oh, but the Two fa- excuses. But of the fact that he says, I'm down, name the place, name the time. Da-da, 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 da-da. Okay, man, you know what? 
We got to get this I, game going. I see what it is. We got to get this game going. I see going. what it is. Okay, the loudest, the loudest guy, he wins. I see your argument. Nobody you, you're the, won you're the or person, lost. You're the person where the loudest person won the argument to you. No, I want to see the argument come to its final uh, resting place to see who actually is going to win or lose. What, what I think people are questioning is whether you're willing to even get in the arena. But that's my point. Why are you questioning me? Be- I feel like because it's because I am I- not being so braggadocious. That's why you're questioning no, me. No, 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 no. You've already, you've already um, uh, put up the, uh, you know, the obstacles. I can't do it because I'm too busy. That's basically what you said. So I'm just like, if you would say, hey, wherever we got to be, I'll be there to show up. That's telling me something different. Okay, I also invited Deontay. So the draft, how about the week of the draft? Does it need to happen sooner? No, no, no. I don't, if we could set a date and a time. Deontay, okay, so who's there, Deontay? Deontay Lee from The Athletic. He was, our, he, was our, he was the last guest that we had on, and we talked to him about it. Oh, oh and I Deontay told, Lee, yeah. Yes, and I told him to bring his sneakers, yes. I oh, also, you want help? You gotta, you're asking for help? Is that no, what it is? No, no, Vinny. Come on, Vinny. Good. Come keep up with the show. It's been like we've been asking like just about every guest this week, and he said that he doesn't think I'm a hooper either because right. Kayla didn't back me up. So I'm challenging. I'm calling him out too. I, all, all I'm wondering about, this is the I, whoever when you if you get on the court, hey, I, I don't know, I've never seen Q play a, a lick of basketball. Exactly, he but I know be, he's he going to show up. He could be dribbling I, the ball off his foot and, and he's just, he's just talking he a big will. game. And maybe he will, but I, but I do not question that he's going to actually show up to play the game. I'm wondering if you're going to figure out a way to get out of it. That's all I'm saying. But if you show up. I'll be rooting hard for both of you guys. Just to have a good hey, game. Hey, no, you cannot, you cannot diss me, drag my name through the mud, and then say, "Hey, but I just want, hey, but if you show up, that's good enough." I'm rooting for the both of you. You just drug yeah. me through the mud. I no, don't, you know, keep your you're, fake, you're, keep your fake positivity. You're, over the, there at the you're the one that's saying I'm a busy man. I don't know if we're gonna be able to make it to the game. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it, but we shall see. All right, we're getting closer. We're inching closer to the possibility of this actually happening. The week of the draft, I'm down for that. Uh, I can't wait to see it. But in the meantime, got a great show uh, lined up for you today. We've got Nikki Fargus, the president of the Las Vegas Aces, will be in the house uh, with me here at the Treasure Island Hotel at 4.30 to talk about some big things that are going on with the Aces. The draft is next week. Uh, they just hired a new general manager uh, today. Obviously, they've got a, a new head coach. There's a lot of momentum for the Aces moving forward. Uh, we can't wait to, uh, to talk to Nikki about that at 5.30. Uh, we've got the great Benjamin Albright uh, from Denver, Colorado. He's an insider for the Broncos, but he's really an, an NFL insider. So he's going to join us uh, as well to talk about all things NFL. And there's a lot of things going on right now. A lot of things going on behind the scenes as we gear up and get ready for the NFL draft. We want your calls, 702-365-9200, because as I was putting the show together uh, today, you know, uh, doing our mailbag, I do a mailbag e- each week, and there were a lot of draft questions. What are the, what are the Raiders going to do? Are they going to trade up? Everyone's fascinated with this trade up uh, into the first round or into the second round, and I get it. I get it. But you have to look at things like this, Raider Nation. The first-round pick is a guy by the name of Devontae Adams, okay? And you weren't getting a player the caliber of Devontae Adams at pick number 22. So look at it this way. You had to trade up to get Devontae Adams in the first round. And I'm, the, the cost of that was your second-round pick. You traded a second-round pick to go up in the first round, basically, to draft a guy by the name of Devontae Adams who would have been the best player in this draft, okay? 
if you would have wanted to trade up to go to the pick five, let's say, from 22, it would have taken more than just your first-round pick and a second-round pick. It would have taken more than that. And there's not even a player in this draft that can help the Raiders today and tomorrow and the next year and the next year after that like Devontae Adams. So um, be happy that you have Devontae Adams. He is your first-round pick. But I get it. Teams want to or fans are infatuated with the first-round pick. Moving up into the first round. So what would it take to get into the first round? Well, I'm telling you right now, if it's a player type thing, you're talking about a starting point of you want to trade Derek Carr to get back in the first round? I don't think you probably want to do that. Do you want to trade Darren Waller to get back in the first round? I don't think you want to do that because that's what it would take. You want to trade Max Crosby to get in the first round because that's what it would take. I don't think you want to trade Max Crosby just to get into the first round. You want to trade Colton Miller to get back into the first round? I don't think that you want to do that either because that would be the starting point if you're talking about getting into the first round. And as I look at this draft, I'm wondering, is there anybody in this draft that is so compelling, Raider Nation, that you have to have that you would literally trade either Darren Waller or Derek Carr or Colton Miller or Max Crosby for? Because that would be the asking price for the Raiders to get into the first round. Is there somebody that's so compelling that you would be okay with that asking price? I'm going to answer the question for you. No, of course not. Of course not. You would not trade any of those players for any – I don't even care if it was the first pick in the draft, to be honest with you. There's nobody in this draft that is going to, is going to help you this year the way those guys are going to help you this year. All right? So then you start talking about, all right, well, maybe you can trade a future first-round pick. Now, I'm kind of open to this. I'm kind of open to the possibility of doing this. What if there's somebody late in the first round that you feel like you have to have that's going to fill a, ma- a major hole this year um, and moving forward that's going to dramatically help your team right now? And you're not willing to give up a Derek Carr or a, a Darren Waller or anybody like that, because that's what it would take, and you don't want to do that, so set that aside. Forget that whole thing. Would you trade next year's first-round pick to get into the back end of the first round? Maybe the fir- your, your first-round pick next year and your third-round pick this year? Is that something that you would be willing to do? But the question again becomes, I'd be open to that possibility, but it has to be, like, you, you have to have identified somebody. You don't just trade to get into the first round at this point. You trade, basically, because there's a player that has caught your eye and you want to get back in the first round to have access to that player or maybe, a, you know, a, a, a group of three or four players that you say, if we get to, let's say, the 25th pick, we'll for sure have one of these four players and we're happy with one of those four players and we'd be willing to give up our first-round pick next year, and our third-round pick this year. Is there somebody in that first round that's that compelling that you would do that, Raider Nation? Give us a call, 702-365-9200, because that's the type of it's going to take. There's another possibility, and I wrote about this. You know, if you look at the Detroit Lions, they have the first I think it's the first pick in the draft or the second pick in the draft, the last pick in the first round, and then the second pick to start the second round. So when you look at pick 32 for the Lions and then pick, I think, 34 in the second round, you know, that might be an area that, that the Raiders can consider moving into. And that would probably, if you're not going to trade any of those players that I just mentioned, and why would you, 
Now you're talking about maybe next year's first-round pick to get number 32. Would you give up next, round, next year's first-round pick to get to number 34? If you feel like this player is that good and you want to make that move to get to, uh, you know, it could happen. There's no doubt that, you know, that's a possibility. I'm sure those kind of conversations are, are going on right now. But you got to be careful. You can't just get into the, the mindset, oh, we got to get back into the first round and give up something that really helps you right now. That's why, to me, this year anyway, any talk of trading Darren Waller to get into the first round is kind of absurd. It's absurd to me. There's nobody in the draft right now that's going to help you the way Darren Waller helps you, that already has a chemistry with this team, that already has a name recognition with this team, that already has uh, a relationship with the quarterback. It's somebody that when you look at this offense and you say Darren Waller and Devontae Adams and uh, uh, Hunter Renfro and Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr, this offense has a chance to be dynamite. And he's a known factor. Devontae Adams is a known factor. Barring injuries, that's going to work beautifully together. You can write in their numbers, basically. Right around 100 catches, 1,000 yards, you know, double-digit touchdowns, lots of productions, lots of leadership, uh, lots of excitement between those two players. Why would you give up Darren Waller right now for something that's – I don't care who you're talking about in this draft, especially where, you know, uh, where you would get in the first round – Everybody's still at this point an unknown. They're unknowns. There's no guarantees that anybody in that first round that you would select giving up a Darren Waller is going to impact your team the way Darren Waller can. It's just a dicey situation. And I don't think the Raiders are in the business right now of being dicey. I think they're in the business right now of winning as many football games as they possibly can. And they are so set up right now offensively. They are so set up with the addition of Devontae Adams. And if they can get that offensive line in order, if, if that's where the focus to me should be. Getting the offensive line in order, getting Derek Carr protected the way he needs to get protected. doesn't have to be the greatest offensive line ever. Uh, as we were talking to Doug uh, uh, Kide yesterday from Pro Football Focus, you don't have to have the best overall offensive line uh, ever or even you know a top five off- offensive line next year for the Raiders for this offense to function at a really high level. It would be great. Obviously, it would be great if they did. But even if you don't, you have so many weapons now. You have a quarterback that notoriously can get the ball out quickly. You've got offensive weapons in Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller and Devontae Adams that know how to get open. Even if you just get that offensive line to pretty good, you're really going to be in a great place offensively. So I don't know, I don't think, I, I'm not feeling trading a Darren Waller just to say, oh, got into the first round. Um, I, I, I don't like that thinking. Somebody that the whole building has fallen in love with, and you're willing to say, you know what, we're going to trade a dynamic player like Darren Waller because we need to have that wide receiver at Ohio State or that wide receiver uh, over at Arkansas or whoever the case might be. So as we sit today... The Raiders are picking in the third round, 86th in the, in, in the third round. I've thrown out some names. I'll give you guys a chance to, uh, to chime in. What do you think about Damon Clark, linebacker from LSU? What do you think about Dylan Farham, guard uh, from Memphis? Tyler Smith, guard from Tulsa. Sean Ryan, offensive lineman. Nick Cross, safety from Maryland. 
do you see where I'm going with the, with the uh, with the picks? A lot of offensive linemen uh, in that in that mix. I think that that's you know I, I know it's best player available, but the thing about this draft is it's really solid on the offensive line. It's really solid also in the interior of the offensive line. Your guard population is pretty deep and pretty strong. You've got some day one starters even beyond that second round. So is it is, is the best bet to just hold on to that pick, maybe even trade down and collect more picks. Maybe that's how you pick up some extra picks. The trade down scenario. Trade your third round pick, maybe stay in the third round somehow, some way, and maybe pick up um, you know, an, an extra fourth just to make up the ground that you lost. You're down two picks, your first round pick and your second round pick. Maybe you, 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 if this is a deep enough draft, if the Raiders decision makers just decide, you know what, this is a, this is a deep draft, we can find value uh, and starting caliber players in that fourth round, let's try to go get another fourth round pick to, to be able to bring in a guy that we think is going to start this year. Maybe that's the direction that you take. Want your thoughts? 702-365-9200. If you stand, Pat, what's the direction that you take in that third round? If you're willing to trade up, what are you willing to give up? Are you willing to give up any of the players that I just mentioned? And if so, why? And I know Darren Waller is the, um, you know, everybody's talking about Darren Waller. I know that there's some numbers, there's some contract situations that, you know, he's getting up there in age. He is an asset. He's somebody that I think other teams covet. But I just, why would you give up Darren Waller? for an uncertainty in the first round. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. When we get back, Nikki Fargus, the president of the Las Vegas Aces, joins us here at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Welcome back to In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook. What's good? What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Friday. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook at the Treasure Island Hotel. Come on by. There's great food, great drinks, baseball, hockey. We've got everything going on uh, over here, and it is our honor to welcome in our next guest, uh, Nikki Fargus. She is the president mm-hmm. of the Las Vegas Aces. A lot of big things are happening uh, with the Aces. First of all, thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. Truly appreciate it. Um, I go back for you when I was working in Los Angeles when <laughs> yes. you were the UCLA basketball coach. Um, and great things uh, happened there. And obviously you, you move on to LSU and now you're, you're here. Um, did you envision this for, was this? <laughs> I mean, I, I know plans go in all sorts of I different know. directions and you roll with it. But yeah. you rolled with it here to Las Vegas. That, that journey, I mean, could you have predicted it or... No, but somebody must have. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it starts with the fact that um, it's interesting. I'm, I'm going to go back yeah. in time. So my father-in-law is Antonio Fargus. Yes. My husband is Justin Fargus, who yes. played for Al Davis. Yep. And so I was already very familiar with Raider Nation. Right. I was familiar with going because I'd gone back to um, a lot of the in- alumni yes, initiatives. Exactly. So I got a chance to meet Mark. I got a chance to see the culture that the Raiders had created. Right. Little did you know. Little did I know that um, Mark Davis was going to purchase the um, Las Vegas Aces. But, uh, but he's always been a fan. Oh, he's yeah. always been a true fan of women's basketball. 
And I was blown away when my phone rang to say, hey, um, would you be interested in talking to Mark Davis in regards to this position as the president of the Las Vegas Aces? And I took a, set, set, I, I took a step back and I, I, I thought to myself, I'm going to have to leave coaching. I know. I was going to get to that. I was going to get to that. Um, and, and I'd spent 24 years yep. as a coach. And, and, I, I, and I've been doing a lot of other um, nonprofit work outside of coaching. Um, I chair the, the Chaos Cancer Fund, which is the charity of choice right. um, for the WBCA, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. And I also chair the Women's of Color Network which is made up of over 60 um, um, women of color mm-hmm. um, head coaches at all levels. And so as a head coach, you know, you wear a lot of hats. Right. And so I was like, okay, I'll just be taking head coach hat and putting the president hat right. on. And so I knew that I could do the job, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that I was going to be able to leave coaching because right. I, I love the strategy. I love yeah. the X's and O's. I love competition. I love all those things. Well, I still get that same rush. I'm like, sure. I'm, I'm sitting here recruiting the top yep. talent to come into our right. front office. I'm recruiting the top talent to lead our team as far as Becky Hammond as our head coach. I'm competitive when it comes to making sure that the players have the best resources. And thank you, Mark Davis, for and Larry Delson, for the future of the Las Vegas Aces franchise with us having our own facility right, right next to the Raiders headquarters. Yep, exactly. And so that's just going to change the landscape of how we do things. Right. And the Aces are the standard. So I knew from the Raiders that being a part of Mark Davis and what his legacy is going to be was going to be and start and, and be rooted in the alums. Right. So the first, the first job that I was tasked with as the new president, was to, to connect the alums who played at Utah yep. and or San Antonio, yep. which were the two um, franchises. Utah was bought by San Antonio. San Antonio was bought by the Las Vegas Aces. We wanted to connect with every alum who either played five minutes or five years. Right. And we invited them all back last year, them plus a guest, all expense paid right. to come and visit and have this one-on-one time with myself, with Mark, with our front office, um, Matt Delson, our CEO, our COO, our CFO, and it was it was unbelievable that when you're at an alumni event, that the owner of the Raiders, right. and the owner of the Aces, is just sitting there with you. Hey, just you know, tell me about you. Right. And and those and those young women felt. Thank you for not forgetting about I was me. Just gonna, I was just going to say that because I can imagine getting that call. And, wow, you still remember me. And, I, I, yes. I, I, you know, like you said, played five minutes, five years, whatever the case yes. might be. Uh, so for, for somebody to still recognize that. So I'm sure on their be, you know, from their end of it, what a great gesture. But from your perspective, I'm sure it was a learning experience as well, being able to no. talk to them. Because you, you come from the college ranks. It, it is a different mm-hmm. you know, uh, world in the professional ranks. Did you learn anything from having those conversations? Well, one of the questions that I would ask them is, um, why don't you come play for me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many said, Coach, you never called? I, I wanted know. to go. But I, 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 <laughs> recruited. A, oh, I recruited a lot I'm of sure them. I'm sure you did, I mean, yeah. I know. You, you're like, <laughs> then he's over here looking at me like, she doesn't look that old. <laughs> um, no, but a lot of them I, I like That's recruited crazy, yeah. and played against and scouted and, and tried to beat. Um, but no, it was it was really a a 
a life-changing moment for me and my family to decide to leave college coaching because right. that's, <laughs> that's what I did. And I don't look back, not one second. I appreciate the opportunity to coach so many great players. But I want to move the league, the WNBA, where hopefully my daughter one day will be right. playing in. But I want to get it where the WNBA is going to be financially um, not just stable but sustain this, mm-hmm. this, 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 this financial powerhouse where people are investing and companies are investing and corporations and television and media and all these revenue streams are investing so our players can stay in market, can exactly. stay here in the States, can continue to not miss birthdays and not miss weddings. And, and I want to be part of that push for women's basketball. And, and we're doing it. I mean, hiring Becky Hammond as the highest paid women's basketball coach in the WBA. And, you know, you got the million dollar baby. She's the million dollar coach. Right. right. Um, and, and I think that's a, a step in the right direction to, to show when you invest, when you invest in people, when you invest in these young ladies, when you invest in this game, it is, it is so rewarding. I, can't, I was at the Final Four. And, and everything was – inventory assets around that building was sold out. Right. There were four million, over 4 million viewers for a college women's basketball game. South Carolina is leading the country in attendance. They have 10,000 season ticket members. And they're leading – I mean, the, the game itself is being appreciated and yeah. watched. And, and now we just got to – you know, we, we're celebrating the 50th, 50th anniversary of Title IX. Right. And, yes, it's great that we're able to participate mm-hmm. – now let's compensate. And right. that's from Mark Davis's own mouth. <laughs> exactly. And I think that, you know, uh, Mark is a big part of this. Um, and you, you mentioned that he's a fan, but I think he's also an advocate, a yes. believer in. Um, and I, I know that. I've talked to him about yeah. it. And it's so genuine it is. how much he cares about the aces, the players, the product, the WNBA. He wants to see it all expand. Yes. I'm sure, of course, there's always business-related issues um, uh, and motivations. Um, but if everybody gets pulled along, everybody wins in that regard. And he has his heart in the right place. Did you was was did you sense that immediately? I him? did. I, I did. And and again, twenty four years in coaching, and you, he and Larry, flew through one of those infamous Louisiana storms <laughs> and and flew and flew into Baton Rouge. And we met that Saturday, and we had a chance to just really dive into deep, dive deeply into what his vision, what his passion, where does that lie? And we were aligned. And so it was a uh, difficult decision in leaving my team, right. but the right decision in advancing and, learn, and, and getting in the, a position to advance. And then you can look at what we're doing as far as our hiring and who we're hiring and who we're bringing in, but also the fight that we have um, for these young ladies to, to, to have a better opportunity um, and, and grow this game. You talk about competition and being in the, the heat of that moment as a coach, but when you go out and target somebody like a Becky Hammond yes. to be your coach, there's competition in that. You're competing, <laughs> I'm sure. And, and, but but I got to ask you, like, when did that sort of land on you guys' radar? Like, uh, that's who we need to go get, and this is what we're going to do to go get her. And how long was that process of convincing, not convincing her necessarily, but yeah. getting her on board? Well, we, we um, again, I'm, I'm going to go back to the alumni initiative. And I remember Mark saying, we're going to have to retire. Well, we've already, her, her jersey was already retired. It right. just wasn't hanging anywhere. Right. So we need to have a retirement 
um, celebration of Becky Hammond. And, um, and so when we were identifying um, who we're going to bring back, Becky Hammond, or who we may look to move our, move our franchise forward as the head coach, Becky Hammond was the only name and the first name right. that came to, to mind. And, you know, Mark thought, I said, Mark, Becky Hammond. If we can get her, that would be awesome. <laughs> right. And then, it, and here's the next thing: whatever we need to do to get her. Right. So it's one thing to want something; it's another one, another thing to say, "Hey, Nikki, I want us to do this." It's another when you're empowered and have the resources to do right. it. And he made that happen. Right. But Becky wasn't coming just for that. She right. knew what we were about. She knew what we were trying to do. And she knew that she was going to be um, part of a franchise that believed in women, believed in women in leadership roles. And she had an owner that echoed that same sentiment. So for her and her family to say, because she was, you know, no, no one knew when she would possibly be named the head coach, but she's right. leaving the NBA. Exactly. And everybody thinks and, and would say that's the standard. Yes. But for us, it is not the standard. Right. It's, right. it's just the job yeah. in the NBA. Right. You can come and coach in the WNBA and, and the salaries be competitive. Right. But more importantly, you're coaching some of the best players in the world. Yep. And whether they are male or female, she's coaching and has the opportunity to coach some of the best players in the world. You've coached at a high, high level, uh, seen basketball uh, at every at every level and coached against some great coaches. What do you believe is going to make her or does make Becky a great coach and a great um, you know, somebody that people are talking yeah. about on, uh, along these lines and, and in these terms? I, I think it first start with um, her being such a student of the game. And, you know, she's, she talks about, you know, I was little, and she did not get drafted. Right. So there's a different drive in a Becky Hammond that will never be taught. It's just something that is in her, right. and every day she wakes up, and she is energized and motivated by her. The fact, too, that she has won at this level as a former WBA all-star and she's coached at this level and she's coached on the men's side and she's able to relate to these players but she's also able to articulate exactly what you need to do in this situation and I think she's going to be a great addition to one not only our team but to the Las Vegas community right I mean we, we, we can't wait for the season to start, but I'm also excited about our players being back in market because on Monday, yes, draft day. I know, exciting times. Day, and we've got and we've got Chelsea Gray that's going to be um, out for draft day. We've got um, we we got Sydney Colson coming back. You know, we got Raquana Williams that's going to be. We got Kalani Brown who. We, so we're going to have our players around the community being able to say, hey, let's talk to Raquana right. Williams. I mean, let's, let's sit down and, hey, Raquana, we're so excited. Like just being able to have those conversations with some of the best players. Chelsea Gray's Olympic gold medal winner. Yes, exactly. How many times do you get to sit down at <laughs> Slice of Vegas and hang out with an Olympic gold medalist? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and, and it's, it's when, you, you're, when you're around greatness like that, you feel uh, the greatness as well. And whatever, whatever the athletic endeavor is, um, you understand greatness and you understand that kind of stature. You guys did make a big move today. Yes. Uh, your new general manager, Natalie Williams, um, is, is now in the house, officially in the fold. Um, I got to ask you this. It's kind of the, the timing of it right before the draft. Um, 
how does she fit in in that regard, or does she does she kind of take a step back right now and let the draft play out, or how, how does that all work out? Well, through the interviewing process, um, obviously today was her. Um, we announced her coming to on board, but she during the interviewing process, she was already talking and communicating and acting like a GM. Right. I mean, she knew the players who we should um, look at as far as the draft. She was able to, to look at the depth of the draft. She is a basketball junkie. She knows everybody that's in the W. Um, she has a great relationship already with a lot of the head coaches and the GMs in this league. And, and obviously she comes with a, an unbelievable amount of respect. Um, my thing was, can I get her away from what she was doing? And she had her own academy, and she was settled, and she's got two beautiful daughters. And, you know, and, and she said, you know, Nikki, this was always a dream of mine. Um, she was a former WBA scout. So she just checked a lot of the boxes. But I also like the fact that Natalie Williams is one of those just very direct, this is, I'm, I'm about business. And I want this franchise to be the best. And she's not going to cut any corners right. in making that happen. Um, and, 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 and she played that way. She didn't cut any corners. So, so I'm excited about her. I'm excited that in a position to also um, bring some of these players who have um, obviously been great players, but also showcasing that they're more than just a uniform, that they can sit in the front office in these leadership roles um, and, and run a franchise, and, and so I'm glad to have her own staff. The Aces are one of the premier franchises in the WNBA uh, in, in, on every level. Um, now th the trick, of course, is closing those last few inches to win a championship. And, right. You know, and, I, and I always ask this of, of, of leaders uh, in sports. What's more, what do you feel is more difficult, making um, the progress to get to where you are or figuring out, those last few inches to push it over the goal line as a, as a champion because sometimes that's the toughest thing to do yeah. uh, but also building it to get to that point is, is difficult yeah great question the, the trick to get this from now inches away from that goal line right um what do you think it's going to take and how um, how challenging is it well you know i think it's going to take attention just great attention to detail um it, it is harder to cross the finish line um, and, and, the, and the closer you get, the more distractions there are, the more bigger the stage is, the more pressure there, there is. So just creating a foundation where it's, 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 it's got to be solid from the beginning. So the culture that Becky and her staff create, it's, 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 it's going to really be based off of these players buying into Becky, that once you get the buy-in, right. then I think the, you know, her teaching and her system and her philosophy is going to come into play. But I, I also don't believe that you're going to play for somebody that doesn't care about you. Right. Like, I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you say, well, that's a college mentality. No, no, there's a lot of pro players that need, still need, that that hey you know what great job hey let's go to dinner hey let's go let's go sit down they they want you to also have those conversations right. with them becky hammond was a point guard so 
her facilitator. Vi- the facilitator, you know, I'm going to get you involved. Right. I'm going to feed you over here. So she knows how to manage. Right. And I think that's going to be key in us winning it all is can she manage all of these personalities? Can she manage um, minutes? Can she manage and continue to keep those players bought into what we're trying to do? And, and I truly believe she's going to be able to do that. It's interesting you should mention that uh, the Raiders hired Josh McDaniels as their yes. new head coach. Uh, it didn't work for him in Denver, and he openly admits he probably put football ahead of the, pers- the, the, the people aspect of it a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And I've had some conversations with him, and every time I ask him about a player, getting to know him, the football part will take care of itself. We're, we're building a relationship right now. The football part is secondary. You mentioned that the people part of it and, yeah. and, and the buy-in aspect of it. The X's and O's and all that typically are going to take care of itself. Why is that so important for that buy-in and for that personal relationship to be, relationship to be created? Well, you, you heard that phrase. It's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmy's yes. and Joe's. Yes. And so it really is. Um, you're, not, you're not really going to know what play action to run to whom if you don't know what they're really – really passionate about like you i might look at a player and that i was i remember just recruiting a player and i didn't even want to talk about basketball i just wanted to talk about what are you doing outside of basketball what are your hobbies what are your likes and then how are you fueling yourself and are you are you fueling yourself through just video games are you fueling yourself because you like to go out and work out find out those other things because the 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 tape itself is only going to show you so much right when you dive deeper into who they are and, and what really gets them, then you're going to have a better understanding, which is going to make you a better coach to them. Because I'm not, I, you know, my, I, can, I can teach somebody um, and I can say, hey, I told you that. And then they may, I know, I heard you. But maybe I'm not talking to them in the language right. that they need to hear. And sometimes coaches come in and they just think it's about, you know, run this play, da-da-da-da. And you're, when, in essence, it, it's not that a, an athlete doesn't want to run the play. It's that the athlete may not respect you to run the play. Right, right. So <laughs> to me, when you have that respect and you have that loyalty and you have that buy-in, then that player, and again, I don't care what level you're on, will run through a brick wall because they know that you're going to be there when they're down, when they're out, because everybody, if, they, if, if anybody tells you they have not struggled, they have. They are not telling the truth. People struggle. Yeah. And it's those who they say, hey, I'm you. I'm, I'm going to. So when they're struggling in the course of a game, I'm here for you. I can help. They're going to bounce back a lot faster right. than tank for you. Yep, absolutely. Uh, we have to take a quick break. Okay. Uh, can you stick around and uh, hang out and talk with yeah, us? Yeah, I think they were longer. calling me over there on the roulette table. <laughs> I think, no, I'm here. I'm here. It's <laughs> over there for you. It's over there, but we're going to keep you just a little bit longer. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. And Nikki Fargus, uh, the president of the Las Vegas Aces, uh, the WNBA. The uh, draft is coming up on Monday. We can't wait for that. Uh, you're in the huddle, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. We're back live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook at the Treasure Island Hotel and uh, joined by and honored to be uh, uh, talking to her, by the way, uh, uh, Nikki Fargus, the president of the Las Vegas Aces. Thank you again for spending some time with us. Truly appreciate it. Monday's the draft, um, and uh, you guys have the 11th pick overall. Yes. Uh, I saw you at the Final Four, so uh, obviously I'm sure you're getting a look at 
being able to get a look at some of the talent that, that's out there. And the first question I have for you is, is it me or has the level of play in women's basketball just continued to yeah. go? And, and it's great to me. Out Connecticut, great story, all of that. But I think it's better mm-hmm. that there's more teams that are, you know, at that level yeah. and pushing them around and beating them, um, you know, nothing against them at all. Right. But it just seems better that the, the talent seems to be more spread out now and more of it as yes. well. And why is that? I, I feel as though players are deciding to sign, and we talked about this, they may feel more comfortable with coaches right. um, now because it is. Th- this has always been a player's league, but I remember being coached by Pat Summit. Yep. And so – she was <laughs> – it was very intense. Right. And I'm not for sure if this generation – and no fault of their own. Let me just – it's just Things how change. we are. Things have changed. Things change. No fault of their own. But I'm not for sure if they could have been coached by right. somebody like Pat right, Summit. Right, right, And um, love her to death. Yeah. I mean, I love her to the moon and back. And I think she's one of the best to ever coach and been the most impactful coach for women and women's basketball and other sports. With that being said, we also came through this thing called COVID. Right. And right. the NCAA is changing the landscape of what it means to stay at one institution. Well, I was going to get there because there's a 1,000 kids in the transfer portal. A, a thousand? Oh, I mean, that goes across football, basketball, yes. women's basketball, men's basketball. The, the numbers are high. I, I had to ask you about that. Yes. There's more That's, kids in the transfer portal mm-hmm. than there are, I think, teams themselves. There are, and there's more kids in the transfer portal than graduating seniors. Right. What? So, so what we're seeing is not only are they staying longer in college, right. so you have these super seniors. Now mm-hmm. they're staying five years. Yeah. So that freshman that was coming in who probably needed to get a year underneath their belt, now it's ne- now it's not your freshman year. Now it's not your sophomore year. Now it may be your junior, senior year when you finally right. get a chance to really play. Right. And so I think you're seeing a, an older um, group of people playing at, like, su- these super seniors are still staying at that institution. But the other thing that you're seeing is you're seeing mid-major players right. who are really good. Gotcha. Who gotcha. are now saying, you know what, I get the transfer and I don't have to sit out. Right. So now let me go and take my talent elsewhere. Although I started here right. through the development and through all of the re- energy and efforts that those mid-major coaches have put into that young lady to, to then get her to the next level, the Power Five schools are coming in, and me being one, right. I was one. Right. But you're able to come in now and recruit from that, right? From that community as well. So it's to just fill an immediate it, need. To, you know? Yes, yes. And so now there's this there's this parity because there's a different recruiting base you can go after right. as opposed to just waiting for a high school kid. Got it. Got it. Um, Travel ball and high school ball, is that helping feed? I mean, is, are, are, how do you feel about travel ball and, and, and that level of play uh, as it relates to college basketball and the, and the, and the development of, of some of these kids? Uh, you know, it, it's becoming um, apparent that travel ball it has lost what it used to mean. Got it. I, and I can say that because I played travel ball. Right. You used to play for something. Yeah. Like, you used to represent um, your team and that's it near your little yep. town. And then you would then go and play the best travel team in your state. Right. And then if you won the state kind of playoffs, you then represented the state at nationals. Right. That's, that's, that's like 
that's like the recipe for success because I'm I'm I I'm I'm teaching them at a young age um, loyalty. I'm teaching them like I'm representing something other than myself, and then I'm carrying the state behind the whole state. Like you know, I grew up in Tennessee, but but when we went to nationals, it was the Tennessee yeah. you know stars. It was none of these names of, of <laughs> right. none of these crazy names because that person was trying to get a job at the collegiate level or something right. like that. From it players just from California something. and New Jersey and Chicago. Yeah, and, and then yeah. Now, you're, now, like, if you're from California, oh, I can go play in Texas. Right. I'm like, okay, so it just lost what it was first built on, and right. I wish we could get back to yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get back to the Aces. <laughs> uh, you guys re-signed uh, Aja Wilson, uh, Kia Stokes. Um, uh, uh, Raquana uh, Williams, Williams uh, Kalani Brown. Yes. Um, where Jesse are you Plum. guys right now? What do you need? What do you need going into this draft? Would you say? And I don't want don't, you don't <laughs> have to give away the secrets or anything like that, but um, because it feels like you guys are yeah uh, right there. Um, and a couple pieces will put you over that. Goal yeah, line. I mean, you know, just talking with Becky even today, we're looking for a player that's skilled. We're looking for a player that is um, what we consider, you know, a high motor player where she's going to get up and down the floor. Um, We're looking for a player that's diverse. Like we don't want a one-dimensional player, especially when you're thinking of plugging in some areas that we need some additional help. And there's not a lot of holes in this team. Right. But I would say when you look at this year's draft, there are some talented young ladies um, in this draft, and they're able to play. Um, some are able to play like three, four positions. You know, you typically see somebody that can swing two positions. Right. Like, okay, now you've got bigs that can play the the three, four, and five. You got guards that can start at the point but end at the four. Okay. And and so I think we we're we we like that type of style of play, but we need that that style of player to play that style. So. Um, we, we're not looking for – I'll tell you what we're not looking for. We're not looking for bad energy. We're not right. looking for negativity or, or not trying to work hard. Those have got to be given. And, 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 and understanding the game, like at this point we're, we're very selective. We shouldn't have to do a lot of teaching. Right. We should just be implementing. Got it. And so you should know how to guard – high ball screen action you should know how to run a four out one in offense and if you know as a college coach that you potentially could have a top draft pick start working them that way right because it would only enhance your team right exactly and then get them ready for the next level okay where are you guys going to be monday at the draft so fans can come by uh and and slice of vegas slice of vegas four o'clock the draft i think the doors open at three i think the doors open at three Yep. Yep. Awesome. Yep. And uh, training camp starts. I'm sure you're the itching. 17th. Wow. The 17th, and we tip um, on the road away May 6th at Phoenix, and then May 8th at home, 7 p.m. It is our home opener. ESPN Two is covering us. Beautiful. It's our home opener, and everybody come and see Becky Hammond as our new head and coach. And I, I was just driving by Allegiant Stadium. I saw single tickets <gasps> on sale uh, for, for. Let's go. Yes, exactly. Where can they go to uh, to get the tickets? Go to LasVegasAces.com. There you go. I mean, or, you know, call me. Like, we want everybody <laughs> in there. Absolutely. <laughs> and you guys, you, you have to go uh, if you're, whether you're in L.A. right now, the Bay Area here in Las Vegas, wherever you are, I know you're going to be in Vegas at some point. Uh, if you don't live here, please go see a, 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 a Las Vegas Aces game because 
you guys put on a great show. It's, oh, a, no. it's a great level of talent. Obviously, it's a great team. Becky's the coach. Uh, you're the team president. There's a lot of compelling reasons, and it's great entertainment on top of that and great competition. We truly appreciate you spending some time with us in the huddle. Thank you very much. Good luck on Monday night. Thank you. Uh, and good luck, obviously, as you move into training camp and the season. Thank you, All Becky. right, thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday.